0: You talk about specific players, structures, strategies. How come nobody ever talks about how how much should I take of the player that I like? Should I take the player that I like even as he rises up in ADP? Should I take the player that I like in Best Ball Mania Three and on DraftKings and on Drafters? How should I handle my exposures and my portfolio? That's what we're going to talk about today. guys. Hope you're having a wonderful Thursday afternoon. I always find these Thursday shows to be like from a content perspective, they're all it's always so um interesting because you have the overwhelming majority of people that just want to hear tell me who to pick. And then you have a next step of people We're very into this, probably more so fans of this channel that want to know, Okay, I understand it's not just about the players that I pick. It's about strategy and about structure and about all these all these different things. But then you get into some of these topics. Like how to manage your exposures. And I don't imagine that that's, you know, it's like going to your financial advisor. Is kind of what this conversation is. You know, it was like uh, we did a show a few weeks ago about like how to actually be a good drafter. You know, and people like some of these subjects. I think are some of the most important things that you can talk. Like honestly, the exposure, how to draft, like actually how to be good when you're when you got thirty seconds to pick on underdog, and you've you you know all the data about structure and strategy. You've got all the best player takes, but you're not good at being on the clock and that you got the 30 seconds reading the room, all of that. If you can't do that, none of the rest of this shit matters. And today, what we're talking about with exposures and your portfolio and those kinds of things, how to handle that between tournaments, etc. It's the same thing. You could be the best drafter. You could have the best strategy, but if you don't, if you don't understand what's even in your portfolio, right? Like if I invest in a hundred stocks or a hundred crypto assets or any asset, and I don't know how much of each of them I have, obviously we know what percentage of different players that we have. I don't, but I don't, I don't really understand what's in there. I guess this example would be that I just hand my money to someone and (laughs) tell them to invest in crypto or tell them to invest in, um, some some um you know sect within the the stock market i just say go invest in healthcare and i don't know you know i'd say i want to be a zero rb drafter or i want to be a robust rb drafter or i want to draft young players if i don't know what my exposures and everything look like across sites within like specific combinations of players if i don't know all of that stuff Like you could be the sharpest dude on the, on the planet. You could have the best player takes. If you can't put it into action and also adjust on the fly with those exposures, like none of the rest of the shit matters at all. And so, um, like I said, I always find it funny the Thursday, these, these theory conversations, strategy conversations are like some of my favorite ones to get into. But, We haven't reached the point in the in the best ball space, certainly not in the greater fantasy football space where people really want to talk about these things. So it's always like a catch 22 for me, like showing up here. I'm like, well, if I just do a draft and like fuck around for an hour and talk about, you know, hating running backs or whatever, people are probably going to like watch. But when I get into like, oh, well how do you how do you handle when you have sixty percent of a certain player, or should you draft this player if you've been drafting him in BBM, but his price is different on drafting and like oh, you know, but that those are the important questions. And so shout out to you guys for hanging, hanging out here, Derek, what up? What is going on? Um, so the first question I'm gonna get into is um it was a, it was a question from the discord. I'm going to screw it up who it was. I'm trying to pull it up. I should have had it up already. I apologize. I think it was Josh. I think it was Josh. Sorry, I'm trying to find it really fast. In Discord, too many messages to scroll through. But I believe Josh asked, here we go. Can you talk about your approach for exposures across tournaments slash platforms? I think this is the first. This is actually the first step in the exposures and portfolio conversation, because I can see. Excuse me, my exposures, um, like say on Underdog or on Drafters. Obviously not on DraftKings. Shout out to us for solving the DraftKings problem, but in, in on Underdog and Drafters, you can see your player exposures and like on. On underdog, you can write filter by like uh, you know certain tournaments or whatever. There's a ways. There's a way to see at least like a, a relative understanding of your of your portfolio. But when you set out to this crazy best ball summer, and we set out to accomplish a goal, right? We the goal is to win millions of dollars, but we set a strategy to start to work our way towards that goal if i if i just start day one and continue to draft the same across all platforms across all tournaments no matter what the adp is no matter what market shifts are no matter what injuries happen no matter what the latest news is if i just keep doing this across all platforms i'm probably not even like even if i'm a a what I believe to be a plus EV player. If you're watching this, if you're in the spike week discord, you probably are just naturally a plus EV player because you're, you're just, you care enough to put the effort in and the time in and the research in and all of that. And you're obviously probably drafting a lot relative to the average person. But if you're not able to like come, come to this, um, Perfect little middle ground of how do I, how do I balance the different tournaments, the different platforms, and like my takes and my rankings and my strategy that I believe to be right. I I personally, I can even tell you guys, I personally believe that I have a probably one of the most simple strategies that exist in all of best ball, which is really funny because I'm the guy up here talking about all these, uh, like all this different shit and all these different strategies, but I'm talking about like the exposure thing like this and like being a good drafter because I I'm keeping it very simple with my stra- my, my general strategy this year. I am, I, I am relying on some of my player takes. I am relying on week 17. I am relying upon um, some archetypes of players. I am, very much so um fading lots of early round running backs i remember when the first time i loaded my teams into draft iq which we will pull up draft iq in a little bit cuz the the visual of draft iq helps some of these conversations the first time i loaded my teams into draft iq <laughs> i had a lot more early running back like teams than i thought i did more robust more um two running back starts etc. than I thought I did because I thought I was drafting a lot more. But again, this is the point about understanding your portfolio. I didn't understand it and then I I found a way to understand it with what we built. But my strategy is really, really simple. I do I do have quite a few players that I still think are undervalued. You can see them. I mean, I'm not hiding anything there. It's in the rankings, basically. Uh, spikeweek.com rankings. The, some of the guys... Uh, Saquon Barkley, I believe, is uh, – I think I finally just uh, sucked it up and put him at the running back three overall. So like I have Saquon Barkley in the first round. So that's part of why I have more early running back stuff. I'm even trying to force myself not, not to take um, – not to go crazy on Saquon because the other part of my strategy is, is like I said, sort of anti-running back early particularly right now, I think some of that strategy might change later, but I'm setting out on this strategy. And like I said, I thought I was implementing it, but I didn't actually really understand what I was drafting. Like you can look at your exposures, you can look at that. But until I set out to look and see, oh shit, actually I have a lot more (laughs) robust running back teams than I thought I did. And part of my edge, I believe, is in this other structure, right? It could be the opposite thing. You could say, I'm an early running back guy. I believe robust running back is the way to go. And then you, you run your teams and you look and you see a lot more hero running back teams or, or, or two running back starts or whatever. Um, and so this was, this was, I'm talking about this because I just experienced this whole, like I thought I knew what I was drafting, but I really, did, <laughs> I really didn't know. I really didn't know what I was drafting. But kind of back to Josh's original point, the key and – and I think what was a big driving force around me not necessarily understanding what was even in my portfolio and what I was drafting, right? you Like I said, you understand – like I can see an exposure percentage on underdog, but I didn't really understand the structures that were in my – uh, portfolio. I didn't understand the stacks. I didn't understand how much week seventeen of different things I had. I didn't understand the combinations of players that I had. Like I didn't even understand how much. Like you can you can also see, um, in our tool, if you have drafted, you know, thirty percent Broncos stacks, you can see what specific combinations you have. So you can say, okay. I want to be heavy on the Broncos, and and then you could even see I have a bunch of Russell Wilson. I have, a bunch of, I have a bunch of all the Broncos. But then I go and look in my portfolio and I say, this is funny. I have 46 Broncos stacks. Only one is Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy. And that happens. For instance, I, my highest exposure Week 17 stack is that Denver-Kansas City game. On, I believe it was DraftKings specifically. We can pull it up here in a minute and look. I believe it was on DraftKings specifically. I had like I'm I'm at set low seventies a total in the five dollar on DraftKings, and I believe it I had like full, let's just call it even numbers forty Broncos KC week seventeen stacks out of all of that and that now that's just having at least having one player from each side. So it's like at least a secondary stack, not just a main stack with a quarterback. However, I had, you know, it was like almost 60% of my teams or whatever have that stack on it. Only three of them, only three combinations of players do I have more than once. So I've drafted 70 teams. I have on 40 of them, I have this week 17 stack so you look and you're like oh yeah cuz i want this that that's part of my strategy is that getting core getting uh the correlations on on those teams not only because i believe in that week 17 matchup it actually doesn't probably doesn't have that much to do with it i'm like really really bullish on the broncos and the chiefs particularly with the adp that exists i just want basically every name a player from both of those teams i pro- i want exposure to them and so then you naturally end up having Lots of combinations of those two teams, which works out when they play in week 17. But three of those 40 teams I have, and I only have all of them twice. I have three different combinations of that game each twice. So I think I'm just going nuts on that game, right? And I am. It's on 60% of my teams or whatever, 50% of my teams. But in reality, I just have a bunch of different combinations. I don't really, like, I don't have, if it's Travis Kelsey and Cortland Sutton that are the Stones, I only have it one time. <laughs> one. One team. And I think some of those variables get missed in this whole best ball process. We we see our, just, right? You Like, it's just what everybody does. You see your player exposure on underdog. You set out with your strategy. You talk about, oh, should you have Liam Liam won Best Ball Mania and had 70% Gabe Davis. Tony won uh the DraftKings, the DraftKings million. He had a ton of guys with heavy exposure. Should you do that? Should you just draft X percent of everybody? And that's not that doesn't tell us what we need to know. Like, if you if you say I want to have a little more. I'm comfortable having more of X player. Every single person on the planet, no matter if they, you know, say we're just a diversification bro, is more comfortable with certain play. They have certain players they believe in more, and so you draft more of whatever. Rashad Perryman, thanks, Leone. I know uh, our good friend Peter Overzet was Rondale, was a guy. He was still comfortable drafting, right? Obviously, we had the Visca meme last year. I was Darrington Evans and Trey Lance. Everybody has their guys. Like I said, Tony in the, in the chat was Cooper Cup. Basically, everyone that smashed was who he was had like 70% of. And Nico Collins and Colin Johnson. So I'm not going to let you off the hook, brother. You, you may be rich now, but... Uh, I'm going to hold you to the Colin Johnson 70 uh, percent Colin Johnson, or whatever. But seriously, everybody's willing to like it's just it's just kind of a risk management type of uh, exercise after the point of establish. like I've established who I like. you know, does that mean I'm taking 20 percent of them or 70 percent of them? It's kind of a personal preference thing. But everybody has those guys. But then you if you, if you don't dig into what the teams look like. With Prashad, if Prashad Perryman is an edge to you, he's an edge so much that you're going to take him in, you know, triple, quadruple, five times the field. Then, like, what do those teams look like? Do they then have what you want? Right? Because your only edge is in Prashad Perryman or Colin Johnson or even Cooper Cup. You could have, you could have done. What Tony did last year and drafted seventy percent Cooper Cup, but then if you drill down into those Cooper Cup teams and they didn't have the other shit you believed in that year, maybe you were a robust. Star. You said I, I, I'm, I believe in early running backs, but you drafted seventy percent Cooper Cup, but you were way underweight on the Cooper Cup teams mm-hmm. relative to your portfolio on robust running back teams. You know, so I beat this point to death. But you get what I'm saying. This is the this is the shit that matters. Figuring out those things, and like I said, I'll pull up. I'll pull up my. I don't. I don't care if you guys see what I got. What I got cooking. Uh, we will. Uh, we will. We will look at some crazy. We'll. We'll go through some. Because I can pull it up and show you my. I'll show you mine. If you show me yours. Uh, specific examples that uh, drive this this point home. But anyway, I've rambled. Away from Josh's question. This happened. This is what happens. I get passionate about a subject. I just get talking and talking and talking. At least this time I remembered what my original point was. Most of the time, I ask my wife, I won't, uh, I'll just talk. I'll end up on a, like, we'll be having a conversation. I'll end up on a second point or whatever. And I talk for a minute and come back. And I'm like, what what the fuck was I what what were we even talking about? I had, you know, luckily here this time, I have it pulled up on the this other screen. So Josh brings up. <clears throat> hold on. I won't, I'm not gonna this is a I work for a large company. I'm not gonna comment on this, but I just wanted to bring it up so that people could see it. That's it. I'm not even gonna read it for the audio listeners if you want to see. You can watch the YouTube version, but anyway, Josh asked about because I do think this is the this is the starting point, and people don't start here. People start with here is my strategy, here is my players. Now, how do I go about managing my exposures? And I don't think that that's the right. I don't think that that's right. Every site has different scoring. Every site has different formats. Every site has right the DraftKings Millie. Has a thousand people that make the final and is nearly a million people in the tournament, and it's a cheap price point. Best Ball Mania 3 has, you know, not quite half a million people in it, and 470 make the final, and it's a $25 entry fee. And obviously, it's half point PPR with no bonuses, and the field is sharper. The ADP is drastically different. Drastically different. Drafters is kind of right in the middle <clears throat> in terms of ADP. But in terms of format, it's wildly different. So you don't just go into each. You don't just treat all of your teams the same. Oh, I wanted to have 20% uh, Javante Williams across all sites. You know, I ended with 18. Well, do you want to have 20% Javante Williams on drafters the same as DraftKings, the same as underdog, right? There's wildly different variables to consider. Across all these sites. But Josh asked, for example, do you look at all underdog drafts for exposure or do you look at puppy one versus puppy two, which is perfect because now we have the puppy two as of today, puppy one versus puppy two versus big versus uh, uh, BBM versus if there's like a big dog, you know, the last year it was a $250 entry fee tournament on underdog called the big dog. And then how do you look at draft kings and drafters and, He's basically asking, how do you you know, look differently at each one of these? And my answer is, not only do I look differently at each site and treat them differently, I absolutely treat every tournament differently. And I think you should. In part, there's a few different reasons for that. The first one is that there's... Only uh, so DraftKings is a smidge different in that most of the DraftKings tournaments will be open for the for the majority of the summer, and and obviously drafters will too. So I guess Underdog is the one that's different in that Best Ball Mania is the only tournament on um, Underdog that's going to be open for the whole summer. So every other tournament, like we're seeing, I mean, I, I believe someone said uh, before I hopped on here that the the Superflex Puppy that dropped today is already. T- Ten percent full, in like uh, six, five, six hours, six hours or something, which is just—I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm rarely speechless, but that one's got me pretty speechless. You guys have fucking problems, but. Because of simply the time variable, you cannot treat Best Ball Mania 3 the same as you treat this. I'm setting aside the fact that it's super flex, But you cannot treat this puppy that's going on today and for the next week, if <laughs> maybe the next week, you cannot treat it the same as Best Ball Mania 3. There are things that are different edges in Best Ball Mania 3 that are not necessarily the the same level of edge in the puppy. One example, thing that I'm doing. What I believe to be a plus EV decision, an edge, whatever the fuck you want to call it, in Best Ball Mania 3... Is just the chaos of the offseason. Right? The chaos of the offseason creates so much variance, which creates so much value for certain players. Using last year as an as an example, we saw Cam Akers get hurt. Will the will the cam the Cam uh sorry, Derek got me? Derek got me. He's uh, so I have a bunch of uh these these shitheads live like kings okay two stories now you distracted me derek but they're everyone can distract me fairly easily talking about bringing up the dogs. so obviously they walk around in the back i got a chair back here for them to sit on um i stole that from from scott van pelt um his dog, he, he, when during the pandemic, when he was working from home and streaming from home and doing his, you know, sports center bits and stuff from home, he had a chair in the chair in the background. Scott Van Peltz is like one of my favorite people in the sports media business. He's amazing. And um, his dog was in the, was just constantly in the background on a, on a chair. And my dogs love to lay on cushions, chairs, couches, pillows blankets, everything like they, it's what they do. Um, They'll just even hop up on, we have to, we, I have to specifically put certain pillows in certain spots on the couch because they'll go and they have a way that they lay specifically on top of those. It's, it's sad. It's absolutely sad. So in the office, they get a freaking chair, so they can lay down. There's a dog bed over in this corner over here. We can see If you can see it. There's a dog bed over here. See the pillows and the blankets and stuff over here in that corner of the room. And uh, over here where you guys cannot see, where I cannot turn the camera, is like a literal shit ton of pillows and blankets and all sorts of stuff that they lay on and they play on and they go crazy. There's something to be said about these blankets and pillows that they're absolutely just absolutely crazy over. So anyway, again, to my point about not knowing where you were going with that, I have no, I, I don't have the slightest idea where I was going with that, but you, um, the dogs don't need screen time. They are spoiled as shit already. And as David says, it was telling stories that don't go anywhere, like the time he got caught in a ferry to Shelby, Shelbyville. Um, okay. Back to the important stuff. I mean, I guess my dogs are important to me. So strictly due to the time element, it does not make sense to draft certain tournaments the same as other tournaments again, but in the puppy. So in the very first puppy, actually, let me take a step back in best ball mania three, right? It's the first tournament that opens best ball this summer. I'm like figuring out what I like, what I don't like, right? I'm firing on, I'm just firing off drafts and kind of, figuring out the ADP and figuring out the draft rooms, right? You just got like, everybody needs practice. Only like no one hops into their first five drafts. And it's just like, I got this shit figured out, dude. I got it. I got all the right takes. I know how to draft the best teams. The only way to do it is practice. So I'm figuring out what I like in Baseball mania. <clears throat> and you're just firing at the first couple of days because ADP was so bad you're just praying the luck box a super team with Sky Moore in the 18th round and, and James Cook in the 17th round I have one of those that's why I was that's why I specifically used those examples however I start to figure this thing out and then I get to the puppy and I'm like I've identified a structure what I believed to be like basically zero in hero RB in the puppy and X amount of players, uh, whatever three or four players that are just mispriced that are just screaming values right now. And I'm just going to take them because right now in this time pocket, the puppy is going to be open for a week in best ball mania. That price might change. In fact, if I'm right about X player, my example was Trey Lance Trey Lance was going outside of the top 100 for a long time on underdog. I was taking him in best ball mania, but I hadn't quite like planted my flag. I was figuring that out. Then we got to the first puppy and I was just like this. He's the most mispriced quarterback. It's not close. Whatever. Agree. Disagree. Doesn't matter. Pick a different player. This guy was one of the was one of the edges in this tournament. So I'm going to draft him and I'm going to keep drafting him. In this tournament. But in best ball mania, if I'm right about if I'm wrong about that, I can always back off if I'm not comfortable continuing to draft him. Right. Actually, one example on the flip side of that that has sort of happened for me was Albert O. Albert O'Cuy From the Broncos, where I don't I thought he was a smash when they traded Noah Fant. Even after them drafting Greg Dolchich, I thought He's a great pick. And the market has not agreed. And so I you can always reassess when you're wrong. But if if you're right about that guy, like what happened with Trey Lance, it's a he was he was an edge. He was underpriced in that tournament. But in Best Ball Mania 3, he will not always be underpriced. So you're not going to be able to like get as much exposure as you want to because eventually his price will become efficient. Right, that's what that's what happened to Sky Moore, and then it actually backed off. Here you go. You said you said, uh, hold on, let me. You said that you wanted to dogs to get some FaceTime, but you should treat each different tournament as its own thing. The edge in the DraftKings five dollar milli maker is not the same edge as Best Ball Mania three, and sometimes there might be overlap. In terms of specific players. And that's okay. You you can't show up to a best ball tournament. And just say. If my I did my rankings. I did my projections. I did all this. And I have this player as. Way underpriced. But then. But then. Draft. And say I'm not going to take him. I mean, technically you can, but then your rankings and projection process is flawed or something is wrong. Right? Something is wrong. So like, something needs to be fixed. Either you need to, either your process is fine and you've identified an edge and thus you should capitalize on it precisely how much you capitalize on it again do you want to go to the 70 percent levels of the guys who won a ton of money last year that's up to you but if if there is a an edge to be had and you uncover it and you believe in your process backing off for diversification reasons is 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 kind of silly to me It's kind of silly to me. So that's where I come in on the exposure thing. Because, plus, like I said, you can always reevaluate draft five five teams, 10 teams, 20 teams, 30 teams. If you took the guy on every single team, you can always back off if you start to feel uncomfortable. But particularly in the tournaments where time is a huge factor, like these puppies. You can never go back and take a guy again. And if, if that person is an edge, your exposure should dictate that they are an edge, whatever that means to you. It means different things to all of us. Um, let's hit some comments and then I'm going to pull up, then I'm going to pull up my, uh, my exposures and we'll start to walk through some examples of some of that. But I think that the, The different contest is probably the biggest element. And it still blows my mind. Like when I would talk about this last year that like, oh, I'm going to take, I wrote an article actually last year that was uh, Daryl Henderson. It was the, or I did a show, I think. I don't remember. It's been a crazy year. That was Daryl Henderson is the biggest edge in the puppy Two. I think it was. I have to, it was a show on YouTube, I think. I was like, okay, we've now got to the puppy. Again, the puppy two. In Best Ball Mania, Daryl Henderson was, went from the 12th round all the way up to the fourth or fifth round when Cam Akers got hurt. And that, in that tournament, right, that's when things start to come into flux. Like, uh, 25% Twenty-five percent of the field has Daryl Henderson, or fifty percent of the field has Daryl Henderson in the late rounds. Should I take him? Should I not? Those are important conversations. But when the excuse me, when the puppy opens, just like the puppy just opened today, if someone is underpriced, like I believe Daryl Hend- Daryl Henderson was only going in the let's say let's just call it fifth round last year on underdog because. People didn't want to draft him efficiently since they knew everybody had already gotten him in the 12th round, right? Why would I take Daryl Henderson in the third round when a bunch of people got him in the 12th or 13th? That was the conversation we were having, and that's what I was doing. I wasn't taking him in best ball mania, but then the puppy comes around, and the ADP is the same, and so he became – the edge for me. I would I had like 60% of Daryl Henderson in the puppy two. I was drafting him and drafting him and drafting. Him. I didn't care. I was he was the edge to me because he was inefficiently priced for, you know, uh reasons that had nothing to do with the puppy two. His price strictly had everything to do with best ball Mania, and I think it was fine, but his price in the puppy two was not efficient. So I was going to take a stand on that edge. And then honestly, from there on out, just take whoever. Like it was basically, I want to take it. If I could have got 90% Daryl Henderson, I probably would have. And then uh, diversified around it. That was going to be my stand. But that was me treating that, that tournament differently. And people would say, whoa, what? 90% Daryl Henderson. Well, yeah, in that tournament, I treated my exposures in a way that made sense for that tournament based on my takes and my stands, right? In best ball mania, I would never have 90% Daryl Henderson in best ball mania. I think in best ball mania, it's harder to have those levels of exposure because it goes over several months. If you're right about that player, he's going to probably rise. If you're wrong and he falls, it's probably he's falling for a reason, right? There's a ton. There's a, a, a bunch of different variables. So anyway, let's do some comments. Sorry for, not hitting, uh, sorry for not hitting all these. Hello, Jake. Hello, uh, uh, Tony. Thank you for covering uh, the Voldemort. The Voldemort. David says, uh, oh, shout out to you, David. Thank you. We're specifically here for this. Watching drafts is fun, but you can get that in many places. Deep game theory analysis is so much more rare. I think so, too. Um, I know Alex said, I talked to Alex. yeah, uh, We talked yesterday, two days ago, this week. We talked, we talked this week um, and he's been using draft IQ and he says, I had the same reaction when I loaded my teams as opposed as a uh, referencing when I was talking about, I loaded my teams and I was like, Oh shit, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, David says the values on Saquon, Lenny, Chubb, Javante, etc., make it so hard not to get, that's what she said. And so hard not to get early running backs, especially combined with the ADP for top-end wide receivers. I, I I agree, and I think that's what led to me having... And that's the funny thing, right? Is I agree with that. But I have a counter... um, A counter strategy that I believe in kind of the chaos of the offseason rewarding, fading a lot of these early running backs and taking the superstar wide receivers and tie it in the quarterbacks. And so... When I get to my exposures in my portfolio and I see a bunch of two early running back teams and I say, well, yes, they're undervalued, but my, my uh, a core tenant of my strategy is <laughs> the, uh, fading the early running backs, I, I need to assess that. And I don't think many people assess that shit. I didn't assess it last year. I've probably never assessed it before. But this year I am assessing it and making the appropriate adjustments. Um, Jake says, should I, should I have more than two robust running back builds through 465 drafts? I mean, why the fuck do you have two? What happened? What were you doing? during those two drafts I like this take Tony says the spike week tool is helping me get different in the second round it has helped me do a lot of that too like little ways to get different um, even here's an interesting one um, which we'll see uh, again I promise I'm gonna bring up this I'm gonna bring up my exposure so we can walk through it but I'm really heavy on Hollywood Brown on DraftKings Okay, you'll see the exposure. It's a lot. But it has also helped me find ways to get unique, even taking the player I'm taking a stand on. Draft him in a different spot. The other day I took... Uh, shit, I can't remember what it was. I think I took Cooper Cup 101, and then I took Hollywood Pitts at the 2-3 turn or something something like that. I don't remember if it was Cup. Or, but you know what I mean? I kind of reached on a, a unique grouping of guys. It wasn't diversifying. It was, I, I want Hollywood. I want Kyle Pitts, and I definitely want them together. But I'm not getting them with Cooper Cup or or Christian McCaffrey or whatever. I'm not getting them with those guys just by where their ADP falls. So you can do it both ways. You can say, oh, you know, I ha- I just keep taking Debo in the second round. I need to take someone else with right. When I take Devonte Adams, I don't need to take Debo every time, or you can do the opposite and say, Hmm, I have all this Debo, but it's always with Devante or digs or Eckler or Najee or whatever. How can I get Debo with different teams? Well, I take them a little earlier or that kind of stuff. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, Jake says he blacked out during his robust robust teams. Derek says I can't wait till I get the Spike Week tool to work for me. Tried a couple of times but get distracted. Uh hit me up in Discord. We'll get uh, we'll get you straightened up. We'll get you straightened up. All right. Enough enough dicking around. I want to pull this up and we'll just see where the wind we'll see where the wind blows with uh this damn plug-in is always getting in the way. Uh, Let's zoom in a smidge. All right. See here, obviously my best ball mania teams. I think I need to update too, by the way. Uh, So this is, this is a good reminder that I need to update. If you have not seen this, if you've not seen this tool, you probably haven't been watching because I've been trying to pull it up because, uh, well, a, am excited for it and B, I think it's really helpful. I'm, I, Um, A mission of mine is really just to build best ball tools that I want to use or that you guys tell me, right, I need this or I want this or uh, I'm interested in seeing this about my teams. I'm just building the shit that we all want to do. I'm not trying to, like, solve world hunger here with uh, any of this stuff. So uh, uh, I like to bring it up. But we see here my best ball mania teams, and talking about um, exposure. Let me. That's not what I wanted to do. We just—if you hadn't noticed—you can sort by all of these columns. So in best ball mania, I actually—I've I've drafted a few more teams of late, but the majority of my teams were super early. When the contest launched. And so my exposure reflects that. We'll get into that in a second. It's a lot of what we talked about already. But my exposure reflects the fact that, I don't know, 25 or 30 of these teams were within the first few days, first week or whatever of the contest opening. And so I said, Gabriel Davis is mispriced. Mike Williams is mispriced. I thought Kyler was mispriced. Nope. MVS was mispriced. Thought David Bell was mispriced. Nope. Miles Sanders is mispriced, right? I went, you see this down down this list. And I said, these guys are, are the best picks right now. I'm going to take them right now. And I'm just going to take them and take them and take them. And, right, I only have 37 teams so far in Best Ball Mania. So I have, uh, you know, I have more than 100 left to draft. if i never take Dave, gabe davis again i'm still going to have a hefty percentage but i'm also going to have the best adp on gabe davis as you see here uh my average my average adp we need to get uh a uh, shout out to silas he brought this up we need to get a delta like a my average adp minus minus uh current adp here so let me go back to my top owned players. But you see, Gabe Davis was, look, I had him ranked 35th and my average ADP was getting him 55th. And so there's a reason why I have him ranked that high and I have taken him in half of my drafts because I was getting him at, based on my assessment over here, I was getting him at a screaming value. And so when people say like, "Oh, how do I handle, how do I handle my exposures, and how do I handle them across different tournaments?" Like, well, that player is a smash value, and he's part of the edge for me. I mean, will I be right? I don't know, but I think. But that's that's the bet we're all making. Different bets on who, which players, uh, or which structures are the edge, and he was. And so, in Best Ball Mania Three. I'm not I wasn't holding back on taking Gabe Davis. But now I clearly that, you know, I was getting him at pick 55 or so and he's his ADP is 49 and I think rising still. My dogs, I don't know if you can hear that. They're playing upstairs, I can hear them playing. My wife just texted me. They've got lots of energy. Which is hilarious cuz we went on the longest walk ever today. And it's hot as shit and humid as hell. And they're like dying when they get back. Like I almost, like they're like, hey, hey. This is chaos. Absolute chaos. Enough. Just total, a total shit show. A total shit show. Hold on. I have to mute myself to calm them down for one, one second. (laughs) I stop, and I, I stop, and I'm telling them, no, 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 stop, you know, trying to get them to calm down. And they do. They, like, pause, and they look at me, like, okay, got it. And I turn back around, and they, like, they just start wrestling. Again. So, enough. Always fun. Always fun. So, but to answer like that kind of original question about exposures and stuff, like you see the Gabriel Davis thing, you see the Mike Williams thing. I mean, shit, look at Mike Williams. Mike Williams is probably an even better example where he was crazy undervalued. And like, I stopped taking him. Average ADP of 45, ADP, we're now up to 28.8. We really do need this, David. It triggers me to no end how they do this on literally every stream. They have not, like, they've basically not woken up today. We're trying to talk about best ball strategy. They have literally, like, laid and slept all fucking day. And then we make it halfway through this, and it's, absolute anarchy totally anarchy so anyway but i mean look at the mike williams thing which is funny now so here i should have started with mike williams perfect example in best ball mania three you see on the left hand side here i have mike williams as my 27th overall player right he was going 45 plus for the longest time So I clearly had him as massively undervalued. So I have 35% exposure and my average ADP is 45 on Mike Williams. Now he's pretty much efficiently priced. He's pretty much efficiently priced, right? I have him at the 27th overall player. He's going up close to 27. So now when it makes sense, I'll take him, you know, I'm not going to take zero uh, Mike Williams moving forward, but I was clearly taking a lot of him because I have 35% at a really cheap price. So same thing. I was really taking Mike Williams in every draft. And then I stopped because he rose. But like, the only way for me to take advantage of that is to take him. If you start diversifying from the very beginning, you can't, you can't get exposure to the guys that are, are what you believe to be an edge at that, at that point in time. Now, let's compare... Uh actually here. Did you guys you guys played in the big board, right? I assume. Let's see if here we go. I'm I'm terrified to look at this. I don't remember what it is. My highest own <laughs> god damn it. My highest exposure player is Keyshawn Vaughn in uh in the big board. So you see, I said in the big board. This is pre NFL draft. The Bucks don't have a backup running back to Lenny. You guys know, I like to draft zero RB teams, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, if Keyshawn Vaughn is Lenny's backup, then this dude is a smash, particularly with the structure that I'm drafting. Right. I was on Dallas Goddard. They didn't have AJ Brown yet. (laughs) I was on Mitch Trubisky. They didn't have Kenny Piggy yet. Um, Hamlers, whatever, McLaren. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by Terry. I'm not really sure how that happened. Sutton. Um, obviously Lance, you guys know me. Henderson. Oh, here's another terrible Kyron. You know, this is again pre this is pre <laughs> pre uh Kyron running slower than me in uh, in testing. But you see, you see how the exposures like work themselves out over the course of the best ball season. Keyshawn Vaughn is not my highest. Home. I haven't drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in Best Ball Mania, but I believed him to be an edge in in the big board. I was wrong, but I believed him to be an edge. I mean, I was wrong about I, what could you could not be more wrong in the big board than I was. But I didn't. You don't have to. I don't have to worry about it from tournament to tournament, and that's the big key thing: is that in every contest and at every point in time mainly at every point in time, which also translates to kind of every, every tournament, right? Right now, right now, late June, certain guys are the best picks. And if you start over-diversifying too early and you naturally force yourself to diversify based strictly off of raw exposure percentage, like if I go just to all teams, You see, all teams, look, it just kind of evens itself out. Obviously, I have a bunch of Trey Lance and a bunch of the guys that I want to have a bunch of, but it, it just like evened itself out, and I like to take stands. I'm the type of player that likes to have a little bit more of heavy exposure to the guys that I think are edges, but over the course already of pre-NFL draft contest, basketball mania, the puppy, the exposure just plays itself out. And what you would hope is the exposure plays itself out and this your average ADP column is just all green because you're just getting great values on all these guys. I mean, shit. Daryl Henderson, who I still like at his, at his current cost, but Daryl Henderson, well, I was getting in the 160s when I was getting this 32% exposure. Now he's not in the one sixties anymore, but that's how you manage your exposure, right? You take them when they're the best pick and then you move on when they're not. Let's compare the puppy to Baseball mania three, right? We've talked about Gabe Davis and Mike Williams um, and all of that. Well, you, you look here, Gabe is still up there in the puppy but not very high relative where, where even is Mike Davis? <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. Let me find, let me find Mike Davis or Mike da- I keep fucking saying Mike Davis, Mike Williams, Mike Williams. Uh, I haven't take. I didn't take him in the puppy. He's the perfect example of this entire, of this entire conversation in best ball mania. When the contest opened, he was probably the best pick for me, like based on where I have him ranked re- where I had him ranked relative to where he was going. So I drafted him, and I drafted him, and I drafted him again. And then I thought about stopping, and then I still drafted him. Then we get to the puppy, and his ADP has become efficient. And so in this contest, he is now no longer the best pick. And so I didn't take him. I took the other guys that were the best picks. Right. Um, let's look really quick here. You see, uh, in the puppy was, was, uh, Darnell Mooney, who I did not necessarily get very good value on. I, I mean, I didn't get particularly awesome value on really any of these guys, except my quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Gabe again, and Kyler. So it was basically just the, I, I got the, I got the quarterbacks fine. I did, not get, uh, I did not get particularly great value on everybody else, but I, would, I believed that these guys were the best pick at that time. And so um, I also need to update these rankings. And so that's what I did. Let's look at DraftKings. Click on over to DraftKings. You see, I've only entered the $5 millie maker. But again, how I manage my portfolio is looking into these things, and then we'll hop over to the exposures tab. Homer done. Homer done here. But you see, you'll see the difference on DraftKings. Player ADP is different. So Hollywood was not was nowhere to be found in Best Ball Mania Three. I don't think um, he's probably up there now because I've been taking him, but I wasn't smashing him right away, even though I think I should have been. I was wrong. I'm, I whiffed, whiffed on that. But you see 55% Hollywood, 46% Trey Lance again, Mooney. You guys know me what say MVS Kyler. So I'm taking you know I'm taking three quarterback stands basically. Three quarterback stands, Hollywood Mooney. All right? I'm taking big stands right now in the DK five dollar, and that's for multiple reasons. One, the exposure. The exposure, the ADP is just inefficient, generally speaking, on DraftKings. So I'm taking the guys that I believe to be inefficiently priced. The contest format structure is very different. There's a thousand people in that final. So I'm optimizing a lot more for week 17, even than I do on underdog. Right. So you see Kyler and Hollywood both on there. You see – where's – you see then 20% Kyle Pitts. See 14% Drake London, right? What what were we at with Lance? 46% Lance. I bet you 8% Renfro. What about – I don't think I've taken much Waller. Yeah, I'm not taking Waller because I've been taking Kittle. Um. I'm trying to think, Mooney. Uh, Lions. Oops! 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 No. Nope. Um. Uh, let's just do Swift. So yeah, Mooney's one of my highest own players. So I'm taking Swift. I actually don't have Swift necessarily ranked, even where he deserves that exposure. But that's what's happening when I'm trying to take some of those stands on DraftKings specifically because that format is so different. So again, you see how the exposures play themselves out differently because you have different strategies for different tournaments. They're in different time pockets and and all of that. I it's something that nobody ever seems to to really talk about. Um, but it's the thing I probably spend the most like I'm staring at this thing all day long and thinking about how to better kind of employ my strategy You see here on DraftKings, here's another great example. On DraftKings, part of how my exposure comes about and part of how my portfolio becomes what it is, because you see over here with the team structure, that I have one robust running back team and four, uh, two running back starts. That's it. Out of 71 teams, I have five teams that started two with two running backs. One team that started with three in the first. I think we have three in the first five. I'm going to make sure to provide those definitions for us um, on the site a little bit later. But that's part of my st- On DraftKings, the scoring is... Very different, right? It so heavily favors the pass game that I want those superstar wide receivers and those superstar quarterbacks and those superstar tight ends because the scoring heavily, heavily favors the pass game. That's also why you see a little bit more DeAndre Swift, is because the scoring here. So like I'm not gonna manage my exposure when the edge, I shouldn't say I'm not gonna manage. I'm not going to naturally force diversification at the player level when part of the edge is the scoring doesn't align with where people are taking where ADP is right um again so you'll see some of the very clearly uh you know I'm I'm a big two quarterback two tight end guy which also ends up creating um some exposure stands right so like you define your strategy like you have to define that strategy first for each tournament and and each site and then the exposure comes from there people I, people seem to start at the player level and the exposure level instead of starting at the strategy level the strategy creates the exposure not the other way around you don't you don't start and say, "Nah, I only want X percent of this guy." Well, why? Uh, because I like him. But like, how are you going to win this tournament? It's not just like picking out the guys you like. It's what's the strategy to win that tournament? That strategy to win that tournament then creates the exposure, right? It's a downstream effect, uh, a, a, a a network effect, if you will, of whatever the strategy that you're employing is, right? I want to have 49er stacks. I actually want to have bear stacks. Clearly Arizona, Denver, or whatever. Um, Here's here's what I was talking about. Let's look at this. Again, why I'm not going to back off of Denver and KC is because you see I have 37 out of 71. So I've drafted 71 teams you see here. 37 of them have Denver and Kansas City stacks on them. But when I click in here, like I was mentioning, only three of them are even duplicated twice. So I have Jerry Judy and MVS twice. I have Travis Kelsey plus Jerry Judy plus MVS twice. And I have Russ Wilson plus Jerry Judy plus MVS twice. Then I have a million other combinations of players from that game one time. (laughs) Look at this. I keep scrolling and keep scrolling. One Jarek McKinnon and Jerry Judy. There's probably, here, this is a good one. One Russ Wilson, Jerry Judy, Juju, and MVS. I have one team with Javante Williams and Juju, one team with Melvin Gordon and Travis Kelsey. Is that intentional? No. Why don't I have, like, I like Melvin Gordon a lot. I draft quite a bit of Melvin Gordon, but I only have one team. I draft a lot of Travis Kelsey, but I only have one team with them. I only have one team with Cortland Sutton and Juju. Right? So, like, my strategy dictates that I should probably have more of all these different combinations, but I don't because that's just how drafting works. But if you don't look at this... How, how can you say what you think your exposure should be? How can you appropriately manage them unless you look into this? More so when I look into the 49ers. This is a good one. So I have I have some of these pairings a little bit more. But honestly, it's kind of funny. I have 33 49ers stacks out of 71. And again... Stack does not necessarily have to be Trey Lance. It can be just multiple 49ers. But I have 33 49er stacks. The the, the highest exposure one is Trey Lance with Danny Gray. So you see how difficult it can be to stack Trey Lance with his his weapons because of how the ADP plays out and the fact that Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk all go before him. So I do have four, probably just like double tapping Trey Lance with Brandon Iu. You see, I have four of those. But like I want to be on Trey Lance. I want him to be my highest exposure quarterback. And I want 49ers stacks. However, we keep scrolling. How many just like solo Lance and Kittle teams do I have? Looks like one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. One Lance Debo stack. I have 33 of 71 Niners teams, and I have one Lance Debo stack. So people will look at their exposures, even when they're able to look at it at the stack level, and say, oh, look, I, I'm." they may even say, I'm overexposed to the 49ers. Oh my gosh, you have 33 of 71 49ers stacks? Yeah, but even drafting 33 of them I only got Lance Debo one time. So over 150, how can you say, I don't want to draft more 49ers unless you look and you say, well, what do my 49ers teams look like? When I look at this, I say, how the hell do I only have one Lance Debo team? How the hell do I only have one Lance Kittle team? One Lance Kittle team, right? That's not good. (laughs) It's probably not good. Denver, using the, the Denver... I have three Russ and Judy teams. I have two Russ and Albert O teams. And no other Russ teams more than once. Right? One Russ, Sutton, and Hamler. One Russ, Hamler, and Patrick. Um... This is an awesome question. GA says, no, no uh, Debo Kittle. It doesn't look like I have any Debo Kittle. Definitely no Lance Debo Kittle, I don't think. Let's look. One Lance Debo, one TDP Debo, one Lance Ayuk Kittle. Nope, zero. So see? If I want to have a bunch of Lance and I want to have a bunch of 49ers, but I just look at my teams and I say, damn, I got a lot of Trey Lance or and I got a lot of George Kittle or I got a lot of Debo, which I do have a lot of 49ers. But guess what? I don't have any Debo-Kittle combinations. I don't have any Trey Lance-Debo-Kittle combinations. And maybe you don't want those, but the point is if you do want those – your exposures at the player level should be dictated by the fact that, guess what? I personally do want Trey Lance and Debo and Kittle stacks. So I don't want to stop drafting them just because I have 46%, right? You see over here, I have 46% Trey Lance. But I one might think I should stop drafting them. I should, sh- I should stop with the Trey Lance. And maybe I should. I'm not going to though. Maybe I should until you dig in and you look at your teams at the granular level, you can't say what your exposure should or shouldn't be. And I think that's the mistake that people make. And that's why we built this tool really quick before we get out of here. I'm going to go. Uh, I want to look at my, I, wanna, I actually haven't done this. I haven't looked at my underdog uh, um, player combos yet. Uh, let's just look at, let's just look at best ball mania. Let's just like a best ball mania. So um, you see here a couple more running back bro teams, which I think makes sense. I'm okay. I'm comfortable with this um, on underdog. It's a little different. I like the value um, again, as I think David pointed out in the chat, uh, I like the value of uh, some of those Javante's and Saquon's and, and such uh, and the scoring fits them a little bit better. You see here. This is also one of my favorites. Seeing, I, I, I personally part of my strategies. I really want to be heavy two quarterback, two tight end teams, um, which I am. I am pretty heavy. It's about eighty percent, about eighty percent of my teams. So, I, I don't draft four quarterbacks. So, about twenty percent of my teams are three quarterback and eighty percent two. Um, and then, really quickly, see here's a funny one. This is a really funny one. When you start to look at the stacks. I, 35% Cleveland stacks, but I'm taking all of the Cleveland Like I actually have like very, very, very little Deshaun Watson. You see one Deshaun Watson, David Bell, one Watson, D and DPJ and one Watson and D'Ernest. <laughs> but, uh, I take a lot of David Bell. I've actually taken a fair clip of Nick Chubb. Um, and I take a lot of D And so you, I end up with all these like secondary Brown stacks, and you would never guess that. Like, even if you looked at my exposure at the player level, you'd say, oh, he likes David Bell. And he's so-so on Nick Chubb. And you'd be like, huh eh. And he's so-so on Dearness. But once you looked here, you'd be like, holy shit. Cleveland is his second highest owned stack. Right? That's pretty crazy. Um, Let's look at... Let's look at a... A lesser team that I would expect that I would have had more of. Here's a good one Bengals, high powered offense. We all really like the Bengals. I have four Bengals stacks. Only two have Joe Burrow. One is actually where I, I went with the souped up version, both Chase and Higgins, and tossed in Chris Evans at the end. And then one Burrow, Chase, Boyd. So I have no Burrow, Higgins, no Burrow, Higgins, Boyd no Higgins boyd right um do I want that? I don't know I definitely don't have much bills um, let's go let's let's look at the let's look at the the stacks let's let's see how the denver k saint so isn't this crazy have what was it, 37 Denver Casey stacks on DraftKings, and 18 Denver Casey, and that's just in the milli. and 18 Denver Casey in Best Ball Mania 3. On both sites, there's a total of four player combinations across 55 teams that I have more than one time. So like, how can i stop drafting these guys if i if part of my strategy is having exposure to this game and i don't have any of the combinations multiple times even across multiple sites right and ironically here on on uh, underdog it's alberto and mvs as my only one that i have multiple that i have multiple times like like i said again so across across hundreds of teams now i have two melvin gordon travis kelsey team two and i like that i don't even know if do i have javante and uh do i have javante and uh travis kelsey no so like i love travis kelsey and i love javante i don't have a javante travis kelsey team like that's a problem right (laughs) so like the, these are the things that i need to do to effectively manage my exposures people will say like oh how much should you have of this guy and i think that's totally missing the point point. and that's why i wanted to talk about this today because the point is i have a strategy right you, you, whether your strategy is similar to mine with the denver kc and trey lance bullshit that doesn't matter but you set out your for your strategy and you can't just say oh I got too much of this player because I have 25% and I don't, I don't feel comfortable with 25%. Well, like that, that can be, it could be true that 25% is too much, but until you truly really dig in and look at these things, you're, you're not going to know. And so for me, that's a part of both Denver and Kansas city and Trey Lance and San Francisco. Those are like a core piece of my strategy for this year. So then once I start digging in and I see, that's the core part of my strategy, and I don't have a Trey Lance, Debo, and Kittle team. I don't even have a De- I don't even have a Debo Kittle team. I don't have a Javante and Travis Kelsey team, and I, I I have like massive exposure to these to these teams. Half my teams, more than half my teams, have this game on them. Stacks of this game, and I don't have a Javante and Travis Kelsey team. So, like, how can I say this is what my exposure should be, or I'm overexposed to Javante Williams or Travis Kelsey or whatever? I can't. So, um, I think I think you guys have heard me ramble enough about about all this. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. That was a lot of fun. Um, if you have not gotten access to that tool yet, it's called Draft IQ. You go to SpikeWeek.com, click Premium in the header, click Premium in the header. Um, I can drop. Actually, let me drop a. I'll just drop a link really fast for anybody that watches the chat. That watches the chat replay. Seriously, seriously, Tony says you're going to need to push your exposures to ninety percent. Like, isn't that crazy though? Like, I have like most of these most of these guys. I have huge exposure to, and I don't have any of the combinations that I want. So, um, if you have not gotten access uh to that it's 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 i'm biased but i think it's a steal it's 25 dollars a month we're continuing to build upon it um we're building out a lot of new cool features that'll be out very soon um and the uh syncing process is being uh improved as well so that was that tool draft iq um that plus all of our rankings i have <laughs> Top 250 overall and positional tiers. And now I just put out a super flex rankings for underdog. So any rankings across underdog, draftkings, and drafters if, that you want to use, we have those. And uh playbooks for every single I'm I'm working on the Superflex playbook. We have the rookies and sophomores one out and the DraftKings Millie Maker out. And every single tournament that's out right now will have its own specific playbook. So you can have a strategy to dive into that, which maybe some of this exposure stuff will uh will will come about tomorrow. I will be back. Um, I believe it's noon central time. So 1 PM Eastern, I think I should know this. I should probably know this, but we we'll drafting a team with Davis Maddox. You guys all know Davis at Davis Matic on Twitter. Davis is going to join me and we're going to draft the team on drafters. I know Davis is a big fan of drafters. I've become a huge fan of drafters. I love the strategy there. Maybe we'll look at some of the drafters exposures. Um, then too but we're gonna hop into a drafters a drafters uh draft tomorrow around lunchtime be on the lookout be on the lookout for that um but until then i will see you guys later for my my crazy ass dogs, who of course now we're sleeping sleeping now losing their shit 20 minutes ago sleeping now i will see you guys tomorrow